It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where our Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. Well, good morning. It is time for Faith and Life to Connect. I am Scott here on the session with the King of the Cranium, <laughs> Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. I've been promoted. You've been promoted. The King of the Cranium is among us. And today we're going to talk about something just about all of us have had to deal with now. That's right. Stress of returning to work in person. Uh, and, and some people would say that they have that stress every Monday morning, Scott. Yeah, there there are people that didn't have to stop going to work. Yeah, and you know, facing the week on Monday morning is yeah. like, what? This show today kind of came about when my wife told me she was going back to work after the better part of a year and a half of working at home. And she said, well, I'm going back to work. They want me back in the office, this, this, and this. And now she's going back to work three days a week in the office and the other two at home. I wonder if they're going to change the dress code now that they're going back to work. They're so used to working their pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot wear to work what you wore to Walmart last week. No. Um, so, yeah. Thankfully. That's, yeah, thankfully. That, that, has, that has been true. Although Sherry got dressed every day when she was working at home like she was at the office. And that's a good thing. Yeah, she was was very self-disciplined that way. Yeah. And I was very proud of her for that. All right, so before we dive in, Tom, we dive into God's Word, and you've got a passage for us out of Isaiah chapter 41. That's right, Scott. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we don't have to worry. We don't have to be dismayed. We do not have to have fear. Because God is with us. And so why don't we begin to think about that in terms of when we do have fear, that he is our strength. Exactly. Sometimes I have to remind myself of that. We're going to take a look today from uh, a list of five things from the UC Riverside School of Psychology, uh, the stress of returning to work post-COVID. And the first one is Captain Obvious, really, but it does require a little bit of breaking down. We are social beings, Tom. Well, and that's true, Scott. So when we socialize, it impacts three parts of our brains. Our brain. Our brain. (laughs) Really, you have more than one. Well, no wonder you're the king of the cranium. (laughs) Yeah, both both craniums I have. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. So one is the amygdala, Scott, and, and that's a brain region that encodes salient information. Or you could say most important information in the environment. When you're coming on to a new uh, situation, your amygdala is at work looking at the information and, and looking at what's most important. So when you return to work, you know, what's different, what's immediate, what's happening in front of me right now? So that might explain why somebody is so tired Maybe after when you first go back to work at the office, because your brain's actually working overtime 
to get reacclimated to all that new stuff you're seeing in the office again. That's right. It's a mental fatigue. Okay. It's very possible to have that. That explains because Sherry has been much more tired in these for in this first month that she's been back to work, and that would explain why. Because her brain's like, not only is she going back to work, but she's going back to a remodeled office. Oh, right. Her her cubicle changed its location. It changed its colors. It changed what's in it. So now there's a whole readjustment. Yeah. Well, that yeah. wow. Okay. So I just learned one thing. All right. Keep well, going. Okay. So then the hippocampus is a region that's important for learning and memory. So her hippocampus is also kicking in, having to learn all this new information about her new office and you know where where are we keeping this or you know what what's different th- those kinds of things and getting used to it. There's a sense of security, you know, when in, in my mind's eye right now, I can picture my office, probably not the cleanest, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a sense of security to that lack of cleanness. And, and so my hippocampus is at work there when, when I'm thinking about and, and learning about new things at our office. We just opened up, you know, a third office. Right. And, and so there's lots of learning there. And, yeah, my brain is definitely tired about some of the things that's happening there <laughs> without, well, question. So if you stress that, if it's an overload for you, it also has an impact on the memory. So the hippocampus is getting overworked. Our memories are not as good, at least as far as I remember. (laughs) (laughs) From what you can remember, it's... All right, one more part of the brain. Oh, yeah, we cannot forget, Scott, the prefrontal cortex, which is an important region in the decision-making and social behavior part. That's why some people are capable of saying, well, that person needs a frontal lobotomy. (laughs) Where they go in and they... They they want to change some of the decisions and the, the things that they're thinking. You know, the, I can see why these three areas would be a special problem if you've had a year and a half at home working, right? And now all of a sudden you're back in the office, and you've got to change everything in the way you relate to people, the way you're doing things, the way you handle yourself. No that's wonder. True. Yeah, and so that's why you can have a mental fatigue that's much greater coming home from from work after you've been away from it for a year. So if you're tired when you come home now, it's okay. You're, yeah. you're, you're still okay. Right. Well, and an example of that that might also be good is for the teacher. Right now, MCS is in summer mode. Right. The teachers are doing their best not to thinking, think about school. You got that right. And then all of a sudden, late August, early September, they're going to be in this building, and they're going to have this thought and adjustment to there's a whole school year ahead of me. The sleepless nights as you start thinking about your classes. There. Yeah. And so the mental fatigue of that is significant. Wow. I hadn't even thought about that. All right. So we're talking about the stress of returning to work in this post-COVID world here on the session today. So the first one, the fact that we are social beings and all this impacts parts of our brain. The second one, these brain regions enable us to learn about and recognize emotional cues in others in order to more effectively navigate this social world. All right, what does all of that mean now that I read it? We probably ought to <laughs> unwind that some. Well, I should have let you read that. Well, that probably would have been better. So what we're talking about, these regions are what are impacted, basically what we were just talking about, the hippocampus, the amygdala, and the, the prefrontal cortex are all, all impacted as we adjust socially again to our fellow colleagues at the office, which it's been said that staffs, 
can work like how they would fit into their family of origin. They take that same role. If you have some older siblings that you didn't like growing up, <laughs> and now there's some people that rub you the wrong way, you might want to find out, gee, are they an older sibling? I'm the baby of the family, so I treat the older members of the staff like they're my older brothers and sisters. Yeah, yeah. And, and so there's even more fatigue with that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right, number three. So the absence of the social interaction that our brain expects, the increased isolation, the loneliness can lead to increased risk for cognitive decline as well as mental health consequences like depression for vulnerable members of the population such as children, the elderly, and those with underlying mental health concerns. That change can be very difficult. How many people have you ever heard say, well, I really don't like change? Or, yeah, my spouse doesn't like change. Every Baptist in my church? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the seven famous last words of the church. We've never, never done, done it, it that, that way. way. <laughs> I hate that sentence. But the reason they don't like it is because it creates a feeling inside of them that's uncomfortable. So they don't want to do it. So, Thus why I don't like changes in computers and technology. There. Yeah, yeah, that drives me absolutely silly. My learning curve is still back on Windows 10, I think, or no, Windows 7. I was going to say 10 is already on its way out, 11's coming. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh, I just found that out last night with our at church with our worship pastor because he's throwing new stuff at me. Oh, boy. For Vacation Bible School with, okay, we get to videos tonight. After doing right. it one way last night, tonight, now you got to do it this way. Oh, my gosh. I just oh. looked at him, and my eyes just glazed over. <laughs> he, just, he just looked at me and smiled and shook his head. Okay, we'll put it back the way it was. Thank you. That would be very nice. That's yeah. very helpful unless you want to do this the rest of the week. And I, and I told my daughter, it, it's time for me to probably stop doing sound for VBS. It's time for me to just... Step back and let people that understand the technology do it. Yeah, there we are. And I'm still back at that stage of, oh, this is a spreadsheet? (laughs) (laughs) Windows Excel, (laughs) the evil omen. (laughs) Okay, all right. So so those that maybe are not, that that are predisposed to having mental issues, this kind of a change can be very traumatic event. It can, yeah. Because they're not going to necessarily cope like they could. So what it means for them is that they become conditioned, Scott, to be alone now. And now they have to face people. Ew. They have, remember why they didn't like that person all of a sudden. Uh-huh. It, it was okay on a Zoom call, but now that you're face-to-face, it's all crud him again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot like that. It's, it was easier. I could I could just blank out the pictures. Now I can't press the button. Yeah. yeah. I get that. Yeah. So not to mention those who haven't had to deal with their boss for (laughs) Oh, that puts a lot of perspective. Oh, my goodness. Again, the mute button doesn't exist when you're in front of them. Yes, and that can produce anxiety, and I've been accused of being the master of (laughs) understanding. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't really put all of this together, Tom. It's it, actually seen it on paper and talking through it. Right. I guess that's why you are the king of the cranium, <laughs> because talking through these things, you start to see things like, I hadn't thought about it that way. Right. Because that didn't impact me, but now like, oh, yeah. And I'm hearing people say, <laughs> I've got friends that their companies have told them, yeah, you're just, you're working at home permanently. Really? Yeah. And I'm wondering about CenturyLink down by the Y. Yeah. 
here's this huge building. There's two cars in front of it. Yeah. I, I, I just, I'm like, what is going on? There? So how is that cost effective? Building security is a lot easier. Well, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that security guards got it easy. Yeah. Me- locked, locked, <laughs> locked. Okay. Time for a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So maybe there are some benefits. Yeah, there might be. Yeah. I see yeah. that around my wife's office. There's a large office building. Uh huh. And there's nobody there anymore. You just see one guy at the desk it's here, at the entrance there. Uh huh. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, what does all this mean for returning to work? Now, we've become conditioned to being alone and able to turn our computers on and off. Now we're in front of people again. So as we roll through this, what do we do with this anxiety? Is is fear another word for the anxiety? Well, yeah, the, the fear is definitely, it's an emotion. It's it's the fear. And, and as, as soon as you begin to latch on to, I'm afraid to go back. Well, now your body is beginning to get ready for that fear. So it's going to react to what you're thinking. We call that Stress. stress i was waiting for you to I, I had myself prepared to go there and then you did it differently and I, my brain didn't connect so that's, sorry yeah, about that no that's okay <laughs> yeah but that's one that we have worked on and and you really have grasped very well scott you don't stress me out about it <laughs> stress the mind's the body's reaction to what the mind is thinking yeah so in response to an appending threat that that motivates a reaction to protect the self What's interesting, I was reading or listening to an update, and they go up and come out and say again that 85% of what we fear slash worry never happens. And I've even heard as high as 90%. Wouldn't it be nice that we remind ourselves of that? Which tells me that that, that worry, that anxiety, is a lie straight from the pit of hell. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we have to do, we're going to talk about taking thoughts captive in just a couple of minutes. So we'll hold on to that till then. So it may be used as uh, interacting with fewer people and turning inward so that a return to meetings, classes, and in-person social events can be overwhelming initially. So it also can produce greater levels of anxiety. The difference between fear, in my professional opinion, and anxiety is Fear is specific. It's specific in things like fear of spiders, fear of public speaking, fear of heights. So it's very specific. Where anxiety is just this feeling you get as you're pulling into the parking lot at work, and all of a sudden you can feel this tension in your chest. Okay. So this uncomfortableness then is about ready to explode the first time you have to cope with something you haven't coped with for a year. And so you go ballistic over some very unreal little matter. Such as the first day of school and my sister throwing up on the front lawn. She was so worried and upset, she lost her breakfast. Or, or, or me throwing up breakfast in the back seat of my parents' car the day they dropped me off at college. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that was big time. Getting worked up. Dad was very fortunate there was an empty cooler at my feet. <laughs> Oh, or he oh, had a real problem on his hands. Oh, yeah, what a mess. Yeah. You know, I think when we dropped Jason off at college in Boston, Mom and I were more taken back by it. And he's like, okay, Mom and Dad, good. I, I want to get out of here, you know? And I remember still a very e- emotional time in the courtyard at Gordon College yeah. when we hugged and prayed and cried and said, Goodbye, because we're getting in a car. We're going to be 12 hours or so, give or take an hour, away from being able to help him. Yep, that, and that's why I was filled with anxiety, because I was in Lansing, 
my parents were in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yeah. That was like a 16-hour drive. There you go. And I couldn't just go home to mom. I was on my own. Yeah, no wonder you- And I knew nobody. (laughs) Yeah, so no wonder you threw up in- (laughs) No wonder I threw up in the backseat of a Buick. But anyway, Mm -hmm. yeah, so we're dealing with this this fear. Now, I, I have a hunch throwing up in the front yard or throwing up in the car is kind of an extreme response to that anxiety, but how else might that manifest itself? I like to look at anxiety, and, and I tell some of my people that I, I treat it at Heritage that, that it's like a warning signal on the dashboard. I want to say most people, <laughs> <laughs> when they say a warning signal on the dashboard of the car, are going to do something about it. If it's a red warning signal, they're going to shut it down immediately. It gets really expensive if you don't. Exactly. Yeah. So when we have that tension in here, and all of a sudden, one of the other features of anxiety is it will make our thoughts like it's a catastrophe waiting to happen. There's a pending catastrophe coming. So that puts us in alert mode. And the first time something goes wrong, all that tension just flies out. It's, it's real similar to you're about to have dinner guests and they're just about, they're pulling in the driveway and you go, Oh my gosh, I forgot to fill the ice water in the glasses. I mean, this is a catastrophe, Scott. And it's ice water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I hope you catch the sarcasm in what I'm saying. It. It's water. Yeah, exactly. And so, but that has you so worked up. So what we want to do is be aware of that warning signal. And then when that warning signal goes off, one important message it also sends is there's not enough oxygen in your brain to relax, in my opinion. So remind yourself to breathe. breathe. Number one policy in my office. You have to breathe. Yeah. If you yeah. want to stay in here, you have to breathe. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> you don't, you're out of here. It you're might be in an ambulance. but <laughs> <laughs> So that can manifest itself. For me, it was stomach aches. Okay. I would just get, I might just be in a knot. Yeah. Uh, headaches. Right. Just not being able to breathe, uh-huh. shortness of breath, and your senses are probably just going wacko at this point. I mean, you're looking around like, you know, looking for the boogeyman around every corner, and everybody that walks up to you is going to do something evil and all that kind of thing. Yeah. All right. So, so. spiritually, though, how do we deal with all of this, Tom? Let's let's kind of put a spiritual component to today and get into God's Word. Well, that would really be a good idea, Scott. <laughs> because uh, let's take Psalm 56, verse 3 as an example. When I fear, I trust in you, O God. So let's call on him in our fear. Let's not lose sight of the fact that he cares about us, he loves us, and this is a a very important recourse, a very important option that we have as believers is to trust in him. So the next one that you you list here, Tom, is Jeremiah 17, seven. Yes, happy are those who trust in the Lord who rely, who rely on him. And I think about that, and I'm thinking about taking a minute to pray before you get out of the car. You sit down at your desk before you even hit the on button on your computer, stop and pray. What a great idea. And that kind of leads us to 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And, and that is so important when we talk about fear, when we talk about anxiety, that we take in that thought captive and we give it 
to Jesus. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus, and we don't let it have an impact. More current research on anxiety slash fear is that it's more about bringing it to the light where Jesus is, where former research really talks about keeping it in and finding ways to ignore it. Well, when we bring it to the light, what's really powerful is we get we take the energy out of it, and it doesn't have the impact. What one um, Doctor Mental? Uh, that's actually Doctor really Mental is her name. She's oh an author. My. Yeah, appropriate name. <laughs> <laughs> she talks about how it's it's like you get an email. And, and that's like that feeling and that, that that you're having. You can either bring it up by, you know, click. you can click on it, and then you have an option there. You can either delete it or you can go into that email. As you go into it, it's where you're giving your head space to think about what's getting you anxious. And you begin to work up a great level of anxiety. So what we're really talking about here is we look at that email, we look at that thought that's that's anxious, and we either delete it or we go into it. If we delete it, we recognize, yeah, that's a thought, but I'm not going to go there. I'm going to trust Jesus. And, And it's so interesting. So many people talk about wanting to rely on his strength and not our strength. Well, it's our strength when... We click on it and we go, oh yeah, I'm going to try not to think about that. I'm not going to worry about that. And what what do you think about the whole day? That yeah. <laughs> That's right. And when we rely on Jesus and his strength, we recognize that that is not from him. We give it to him. We stand against the enemy in Jesus' name. And then we, we do something really, this is incredible, Scott. Oh boy. We praise him and we take time to praise him. And then when we're done praising him, we praise him some more. There we go. <laughs> That's it. See, Big Ten education actually helps. It came in handy today. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then we celebrate the success of what God has done. Hallelujah. How about that? There we go. There we go. Oh, Got to throw that in there. All right. So today, as we're moving along, Tom, I know there are people that are anxious, that are worried right. about coming back to work and getting back and going, I don't want to sit in that cubicle again. I don't want to go in that meeting room. I don't want yeah. to face that boss. I don't want to have – there is that fear and anxiety, and it can reach a point where it can debilitate you. And sitting down with a Christian counselor can be very helpful. What's the best way to start a conversation with you or to find out more? I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. And if you want to catch up, you came in in the middle today. Remember that this and back issues of the session are on the podcast network at shinefmohio.com. <laughs>